Thank you. And now it's time for our sermon? No, our words of life from Herb and Diane. It's always good to come together with the body of Christ and pray for people and believe for things together in the lives of the people we love, isn't it? Well, this morning, Diane's going to bring the message. And next week, I will bring the message. But she's got something really good to share with you this week. So I, wanna, I just want to pray for her before we get going. And if you'll join me, Father, I thank you for the words that Diane has to speak that you've given her. Lord, these are words that um, were given birth many years ago, actually. So, Father, we thank you for the work of your Spirit that you've done in this church. And thank you for the work of your Spirit that continues to be done and will be done. Now, Father, anoint her words. Father, we just pray that it will touch hearts. Spirits will be open. Minds will be open. And that you will be allowed to move in this place. We give you praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome. A lot of you I haven't seen in a while. It's good to see you back. Mwah. Good to see you back. I don't know if you've been here, and I just sort of overlooked it, but I'm looking at you, Townsend's. I'm glad you're back. And welcome to our new guests. We're, we welcome you here. We're glad to have you. And everybody love on this new couple that's just back here in the coral shirt. And um, it's just good to see you all and to... Yeah, Elsa. Yes, that was the other one. I was like, yay. So um, last week, Herb and I began to share a little bit about what we call transition and some of this thing that God is dealing with our hearts on, on about transition. So we just thought whatever, wherever we're learning, we usually share that with you um, or anyone that will listen. So our scripture that we're going to begin with is the same one that we used last week is Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44 and 45. And this is, you know, everybody has their favorite books of the Bible, their favorite scriptures. This is one of my, that just gets me so excited, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had about this statue that represents all the kingdoms that were going to exist. And, you know, it started with Babylon and it moved from head to toe on down and each of those kingdoms fell. And eventually we get down to the feet of iron and clay, and that's where you and I are right now. And then it says that this rock is cut out with human, without human hands, and this rock is thrown, and it hits the statue, and it just obliterates it. It falls, and it turns to dust. And that rock is the kingdom of God. And so um, in the scripture, it says in chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, and it says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Inasmuch as you saw that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has shown and made known to the king, to Nebuchadnezzar, what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is sure. That means it's going to happen, it's happening, it's a done deal. And this, this of course, is, shows this transition of different kingdoms. Um, it shows what happened historically, what is yet to happen, and it shows the end, that his kingdom will rule over all. 
The kingdom is ruling over all right now. It's all around us. It's going on. And we are God's people, and we just need to pay attention to it. So um, as we began to talk about transition, what in the world does this scripture have to do with our lives? One of the things that we pointed out last week is that our lives experiencing, experience the falling of different things that we put our trust in as we go through life. We transition from one thing to another, things that we maybe have had our confidence in that get shaken and we find out that that's not something I really should be trusting in. And when we go through that change of allegiance, so to speak, it, it's a transition and it's not very comfortable. I'm sure that I could bring Sue Wing up here as an, as an, L, an OB nurse, that's what she, she was there when I had my babies, and whenever a woman would go through transition when she was in labor, it was a real hectic time for the mom. It was a time of pressure, it was a time of something's changed, something's about to happen, I don't know, I just, I just, I need this to stop. It's a really tough time to go through transition. Do any moms remember going through transition and how that felt? And um, so in our lives, when we start to go through transition, because something has changed, something is different, it's a difficult time. But God promises in Romans 8, 28, that he causes all things to work together for the good of those who are, um, for those who are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't say good always comes. It says that it's good will come to those who are called according to his purpose, who are being attentive to his purpose. And I'm sure all of us feel the same way. We're here because we want God's purposes fulfilled in our lives. Every single one of us are here because we're hungry for God and his work. We're here because we love what's going on in each other. And even though you know, we have rough edges sometimes, we love talking with one another and sharpening, so to speak, on one another, hearing what, God, what has God said to you this week. Isn't it fun when you're out and about and you run into someone and they're in a mask and you recognize their eyes? And you're like, yay, I know your eyes. <laughs> well, that's what happened with, with Kelly and I only. She didn't recognize me because probably because my hair is different every time you see me. Um, but I pulled my mask down and went. And so we got to have a reunion at Walgreens this week, and that was fun. So transition. Um, transition can happen when relationships change. It can happen with, with a job change. It can happen with a death. It can happen when a disease is suddenly diagnosed in your life. And you have to now have a new way of managing your diet, your exercise, your prescriptions that you're taking, or your stand in faith for healing. Transition happens with your beliefs throughout your life, and it happens in churches, it happens in denominations. Our church is in a transition right now. And it's sometimes really, you feel clumsy. You just feel awkward. It's like it doesn't always go real smooth. When we got here, we couldn't get the computer to work. We couldn't get this thing up here to work. We weren't sure who was doing what because the schedule hasn't been made. And it isn't because we're a, a goofy church that's disorganized. It's because we're a people in transition. And it's really important for us to have a lot of grace with each other. Uh, transition is inevitable. Just about the time you think, okay, that's it, I don't have to ever go through anything like that again, you do because that's life. You continue to grow and life changes. And none of us really like transition. Nobody says, hey, in fact, how many of you moved your silverware drawer this week like we suggested last week? Anybody? Why not? 
you didn't want to do it because you didn't want to deal with transition. <laughs> but transition is what we must pass through to get from one place to the next place. So if you look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, it says this, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So this phrase, will perform it, is if you look it up in the original language that it was written, it means to bring an end to something. It means to accomplish something, to perfect, to execute, to complete. So it tells you there's a process going on. Will perform it or will bring it to pass is what God does. These are transition words, and we transition as God is doing it. He's bringing it to pass. Interestingly, this same phrase, we'll bring it to completion or we'll bring it on, we'll do it, is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. That's a, that's a kingdom scripture. That passage is about the kingdom of God, and it, and it says, of the increase of his government and peace, of the increase of that, there shall be no end. And then it says this, the zeal of the Lord will perform it, will do it, will bring it to pass. So there's a transition that goes on. In fact, I noticed that every time a kingdom changed from the head of gold to the, the chest of silver, it was always with a war. It was always an upheaval of one group of people replaced by another. And, and that's not cool, and that's not fun, and nobody wants to do it. But transition can be that way. Transition. That word that we're always going to have to face probably for the rest of our life. If you look back on your life, you may understand why you've acted the way you've acted in some situations because you were in transition, and transition is difficult. So I want to just give you a testimony that really is about this church and a point of transition in my life. So raise your hand if you were in this church between 1970 and 1975. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So back sometime between 1970 and 71, I think, because of my age at the time, this church decided to have what's called a lay witness mission. Anybody remember that? Okay. Um, I'm not sure what all went into this opportunity to have this thing called a lay witness mission. I'm sure prayer had to go over it. I'm sure that choices had to be made by the leadership of the church to open their doors to something new and different. What a lay witness mission is, is when a group of young people who are really excited about what Jesus has done in their life, they come into a church and they share their testimonies. And testimonies are very powerful. You can't really argue with a testimony. It is what it is. You experienced it and you've seen a difference. So there were a lot of kids in the youth group back then. I remember we used to just fill the back row over here. We'd all be crowded in together. And this was, this was after I was old enough to be in the youth group. But prior to that, um, this was a really big youth group. And I was too young to be in the youth group being about 9 or 10 years old. I think probably 10, maybe even 11. But I got to tag along because my big brother Mark and my big sister Dawn, neither one of them drove yet, so mom had to bring them to the church. And she would stay until they got done with their meeting and then drive them back home. And so mom and I kind of hung out here back where Mr. and Mrs. Wing sat. And we just, 
observed what was going on. And most of the youth were kind of, I remember being kind of over here and over here. And um, this group of guest speakers who were all teens um, were talking about how they got saved. And I had never really heard that word saved before. That wasn't a word that was thrown out in this church from the pulpit very much. And they talked about um, the experience that they had with God and the difference that it had made in their life. And they shared things like Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then they shared Romans 6.23 that talked about the wages of sin or the consequences of that. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Each speaker took a few minutes to tell their story, and each person talked about, first of all, the lostness, and then how God convicted them and drew them to himself, and how in the midst of their pain they had accepted Jesus Christ, how he had made a difference in their life, how it had changed their life. And you could hear in their voices a passion I wasn't used to being around or hearing, in fact, they said John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but will have everlasting life. They were given an answer to a problem. And the speakers were emotional, too, and that wasn't something that I remember ever happening at this church because everybody was just kind of quiet, and they'd come in, sit down, and they'd hug and greet each other in the narthex afterwards. But there wasn't a bunch of emotion in the sanctuary. You didn't hear people weeping. You didn't hear excitement and squealing and jumping for joy. And um, I kind of was uncomfortable with that. I'm only 10 years old, and I'm saying something is weird about this. Um, it was different, um, but something began to change in the atmosphere in this sanctuary. Something began to stir in the youth, and some of the youth began to weep. And I watched, and I don't know if I can get through this without getting emotional. You guys don't mind, do you? Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> they began to weep, and some of them began to shake. And here's what was really happening. We put up that picture of the statue. This rock of the word of God was striking some of the kingdoms in their life, and it was breaking them open. In fact, Jeremiah 23, 29 says, Is not my word like a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces? Breaks the rock to pieces. At the end of the testimony time, an invitation was given right here in this very church to come up to this altar and bow your knee and make Jesus the Lord of your life. Wow, that had never happened here. I was, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I wasn't falling asleep, and I wasn't bored. Some kind of something was happening here, and I didn't know what it was. Like a mob, the whole youth group went forward. This had never happened in my life. Now, it could have happened. I had just never witnessed it. And they prayed together and accepted Jesus Christ. And this group started crying and laughing and jumping and hugging. And they stood arm in arm. And I sat in my seat like someone with their nose pressed against the outside of the candy store wondering what it was I was missing because I didn't get it. I knew something amazing was going on, but I didn't get it. So this week, 
50 years since that event, I was writing this message. I was sitting at my desk, and I felt prompted, really, by the Holy Spirit to go into the baseline MYF, Methodist Youth Fellowship, Facebook page. And I took a minute, and I wrote down my testimony of how that event affected me. And then the funniest thing happened. About six hours later, Sheldon Case called. <laughs> In this testimony I wrote, I asked, was anybody else affected like I was when the Holy Spirit moved in this place? Sheldon Case said this, and I quote, that experience was so very cool and powerful. It was really powerful. It was one of the most meaningful times of my life. I felt God was there. I felt his presence, and that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And Sheldon began to weep 50 years later because of an encounter with the Spirit of God at Baseline United Methodist Church. And then I got a message from Gail Bird. You guys know Gail Bird. She was a part of that group. She said that experience prepared her for her future of ministry. It also prepared her for many of the ups and downs that her and Tom would experience. And because of this experience at Baseline, because of an encounter with the Holy Spirit, Gail said yes to the call of God on her life. And then I got a message from Jill Anderson Miserelli. She used to live over there on M78. She shared that the lay witness mission brought her to Jesus Christ and had a huge impact on her life. Interestingly, she's one of those people that was jumping up and down, acting crazy afterwards, that impacted me. I, she said she saw life for the first time in young people and that they could be excited about Jesus. That weekend, she accepted Jesus Christ, and that weekend, she had her first exposure to contemporary praise and worship music, and that's what broke her heart open. And then my big brother got on, and he said it was Baseline's Lay Witness Mission Weekend. It was at that that I realized Christians could have fun. When the youth gave their testimonies, I found myself in tears. God was doing something in my heart, and it changed my life. I had given my life to Jesus several years earlier, but I wasn't living for him. That weekend changed it up for me. The call of God began on my life, and from that lay witness mission, I remember some of the other youth then going on other lay witness missions. I went too, and that's when I met my wife, Sandy, who, by the way, is Pastor Peggy's sister. See what a small world it is. And then I got a message from Jenny Wing Krause, and she said, I remember that lay witness mission. I was too young to be a part of the youth group, but it was the first time I remember hearing about my need for a savior. So Jenny and Mrs. Wing somehow must have been somewhere in this sanctuary listening. And she said, I learned why Jesus died on the cross. Before that, I thought that being a Christian was only about being a good person. I remember a lot of older kids being very emotional. That weekend changed my life. And then Dawn Pluff, my big sister, Dawn Pluff Briner, she wrote, the, the most important time was when people shared how they came to have a friendship and relationship with Jesus Christ. It became real. I was 13, and that's when I was saved. Prior to this, I had been struggling with 
um, really believing that he truly died for me. But that day, I made a decision that this is the day I doubt no more. I am saved. I'm sure that this event took a willingness on the part of the leadership of this church to allow change. It had to. They probably had to get the congregation's buy-in to house and feed all these kids to put up with a bunch of wild kids running around. They probably had to deal with the after-effects of this Holy Ghost event. This church was thrust into transition, and I believe that you can look back on that event and see a lot of people that ended up in the ministry eventually being used by God, specifically in ministry full-time, and many in just lay ministry. Now, personally, I was sitting back here, and I didn't really understand what was going on, but here's what did happen. Diane Plough, little that's my maiden name, was thrown into transition. I suddenly had the fear of God all over me. For the first time, I knew I was missing something, and I had to find out what that thing was. I had to know what is it that makes these people so excited that what is it that has changed them? At 11 years old, I began to experience spiritual transition, and I was no longer satisfied with where I was. I was restless, I was hungry, I was desperate. I needed to know. Where I was was no longer good enough. So mom and I got in the car, and we started driving home, and I was pretty quiet. And then she said, why are you so quiet? And I did what I do. I burst into tears, and I said, I don't understand what I'm missing. And she, being a really young believer herself, said, that's okay, honey. You'll learn someday what all this means. And here's the thing. If she'd have known how to lead me to the Lord, she could have led me right then and there. It's not a complex thing to lead someone to Jesus. But she didn't know how. She did the next best thing as a good teacher. She threw me a track. Now, tracks are those things that lead you to the Lord. And she threw me a track called the Four Spiritual Laws. And in that track, it had the same scriptures that you just saw up there. And so I went home, and I took that track up into my room, and I took that transition misery that I was feeling that I got to know. And that transition then led me to the light. And that's when I took those scriptures and I walked through them and I said, okay, I take this. And as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old up in my bedroom, I bowed my head and said, Jesus, will you be my Lord and will you be my Savior? And will you take this life that feels like it's a mess and will you do something with it? And guess what? He did. He did. Honey, will you join me? Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross. He endured that transition because of what he saw that was coming. And we do the same thing. And I'm going to just pass this on to you. You know, that's a powerful testimony, wasn't it, of what took place in this church. And I feel in my spirit that in the next three to four weeks, the Lord's going to want to move in our hearts, and we're going to have a decision to make. We're going to say, are we going to go for it, or are we going to sit still and let it pass? And I think when we hear the speakers that are coming in here in the next few weeks, 
you're going to be really challenged. So that's our, that's our cry. And I hear it through various other people inside the church that that's their cry too. So if you'd be willing to join me in prayer right now, let us make an our, all of our cry that the Spirit of the living God will have his way in our hearts in this church. And ultimately, because he changes our hearts in this church, he can change a city and a nation. Let's pray. Father, we are yours. We come here because we acknowledge that you are our living hope. You are the only hope that we have. Father, we release our hearts and our minds into your hand. We trust you with them. Father, over the next few weeks, we pray that our hearts and our minds are molded to your will and that we will be uh, sensitive to the moving of your spirit. And as it moves, we will not hold back. We will move with it. Father, we know you don't like anyone whose feet remain stable and stand fast when you want them to move. You do not like that. So, Father, I pray our hearts will be just sensitive to your spirit. And when you say move, we move. And, Lord, we know that when you say to move, it's going to lead us into greater joy, greater excitement, greater hope, greater goodness, more salvations, more growth more prosperity in every way because you're in the midst of it and where you are, there's life. So we give you the praise for what you will do in Jesus' precious name. Amen.